I tried to get in and, and do something else and do something different. And, um, you know, ultimately led me a couple different ways into this, this coaching journey now that I'm on with coaching story work. Where did your diligence come from, dude? I can hear that this is not a new thing. You've had this, you know, being back to that college story of master's program, switching gears, making the most of it, personal strength and conditioning training. Where does that drive come from? I realized that uh, pretty early on, which I'm very blessed to do, that you can logically think your way into a lot of different scenarios. You can heart feel your way into a lot of different scenarios, but if that doesn't align with your gut and your intuition, then you're never going to be happy. And so that was uh, something that I've, I've again, realized pretty early on. And I have become more courageous as time goes on to listen to that gut feeling uh, sooner and act appropriately. And so I do consider myself resilient. I do consider myself very adaptable. Those are two identities that I hold. And when I find something that's the right thing, or I find someone that's the right person, I'm, that's it. I'm in, I'm on, that's what we're doing. So, um, it's just become a, a lifelong journey of finding that right inner gut feeling. Story time. Um, I don't know if you ever heard that in Vine back in the day, but <laughs> moving into the story, I still want to know where did you, where did you incubate that? What, what life event, what? I don't know, a mentors, was it parents, was it a teachers, was it somebody who was, you know, rude to you? Do you mind? Like, is there, is there like yeah. anything that any tangible thing you went through that created that resilience? I've had my fair share of injuries. Uh, I've had my fair share of mentors. I realized, uh, you know, fitness was my gateway drug into personal development, like pretty early on. And if we want to talk stories right out the gate, my, yeah. Uh, I was probably 13 years old and I was never fat. I was just, you know, we joke big boned, you know, but I, I had, I had some chub, you know, and I had yeah. some glasses and I had the curly hair and I didn't wear cool clothes. And, and I felt, uh, I was embarrassed to take my shirt off at the pool when my other friends, I feel like were more athletic and getting, you know, conversations from girls started. And I felt like I was getting, you know, like the weird eyes and, and that led me down a path into, you know what, I'm going to go and take myself seriously and take my fitness seriously and actually go to the gym and actually go running. And lo and behold, I realized, well, that makes my, my sports better. It makes me carry myself a little bit differently. It makes me feel better internally. And, um, you know, I carried that, that, uh, desire for personal development and optimization forward as time went on in, both in my academics and then in my career and uh, obviously in my interpersonal relationships as well. That's amazing. With that, I can't wait to showcase uh, the the story, the video that we, we chose that you created for one of your brands and we'll be right back. All right. Welcome in to Vision Pros Live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We'll be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. Welcome in Vision Pros to another episode of Vision Pros Live. I'm your show host, Jackson Callum, founder and CEO of First Class Business. We are so blessed to have Dave Robinson on the show today. Uh, the depth, the wisdom, uh, the tenaciousness, the realization that optimization or positive changes in our lives apply to both our personal opportunities as much as they apply to our business and digital presences. The guy has serious depth. Um, we're going to be talking about the healing power of story work. We're also going to be talking about the amazing power that telling your story owning your story, knowing where you came from, helping people connect with the reality that people don't care what you know until they know that you care about them. It's super important to be able to connect with people and our stories is what helps us. Thank you, Les Brown, for facts tell, stories sell. And when we sell based on service, um, we're doing the right thing to help people find the right solution for themselves. The outcome is absolutely beautiful. And we're gonna be talking with Dave about those realities uh, as we dive into his own personal story a little bit further. Before we do that, we're gonna look at some of these sponsors, uh, Sean and Julianne Lechuga from the Wellness Shop 365. Uh, this 
Oh, so we would show the new page. Um, that's okay. Um, this is their transformation process. They have just like anybody else, so many stories, so many different elements that they want the world to understand. And when I met them, I saw this right here, the three, six, five harmony of life will assessment. I was like, Whoa, we're talking about health and wellness people who also really care about your joy, your spirituality, your creativity, your finances, your, your home cooking. Uh, your, well, obviously that one, if you're into health, uh, your home environment, though, the relationships, your social. I was, oh my gosh, I was like, these people get it. They understand what it means to show up and, and care about those that they serve. And sure enough, I've seen that over the last four to six months. I don't remember the exact date. I just really feel like family already to me. Um, and they got the super sweet family. They're good people. Uh, it's fun to see a <clears throat> a dynamic duo uh, as a couple work together so well. Now I, I can promise you they're not perfect. Um, I'm not going to go into, into any of any of what could be there, but what I have seen with the way that they communicate with me on a regular basis, it's absolutely amazing um, how how strong their relationship is, and uh, it's a reflection to me of the type of infrastructure that they understand is needed to support all those, all those that they want to serve. That's what I look for when I look at providers is how do they show up for those that they serve and how do they serve those internally behind the scenes. Um, and hopefully you as well as visionaries, when you hear me say that, hopefully some of you will start, uh, if you're not doing that, we'll start taking notes of, okay, what signs can I pick up? What communication patterns can I pick up to assess those I might want to work with? Then there's the lost spot with Melissa Gray same exact reality. Uh, she came on the show. She That's how we met was through her episode. And she blew my mind. I was a little bit worried to host her because attorneys, um, you know how attorneys can be. Just watch Liar Liar or Suits. Um, and you'll see that there's a lot of aggression behind what they do. And I'm kind of a nurturer. So uh, the way that she was able to explain and articulate law with a nurturing personality, but she and she has that superpower of listening skills at proactive listening, and she has the ability to represent businesses in in terms of their legal counsel. Uh, got me really thinking about the reality that ninety five percent of the companies I've prospected with or worked with, if I were to ask them, who do you have a a um, advisor for legal counsel on retainer, ninety five percent of them would have said no. Um, they don't. And that's scary um, in a world that does have liabilities and vulnerabilities. But what's scarier is when, you know, you're part of the 5% who do go get legal counsel and you realize what a nightmare it is to try to find uh, a firm that understands your vision, cares about you and doesn't just care about their own personal retainer. What's also hard to realize is, okay, you might find somebody and finish that fast, um, but then you end up with a trademark lawsuit like we did at Restaurant Connect and you're in the whole $20,000 um, on a process because uh, you just you didn't find the right person to represent you who understood that as a startup, you don't have $20,000 to put towards a trademark lawsuit. Um, so we overcame that challenge, but it would have been wonderful to have somebody who I had more trust in um, that was able to explain processes to us a little bit better and who could also propose alternative paths towards that outcome without just being so happy to collect the paycheck. Um, so with that said, let's move over to the water project. Um, the story in the water project, uh, just, I, I hope that you guys go and see what they're up to. Um, we have, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have access to clean drinking water within 10 yards of where you're at. Uh, there's millions of people in the world who don't, they have to go and find sources of water. And you and I both know the rivers outside our house or the lake or the pond down the street. Like you, you wouldn't drink that. Uh, yet these children are leaving school. These parents are leaving work in order to find that basic necessity makes me wonder where else they get food from um, and, and other substances. And so we have this, it's ultimately like a crowdfunding project. You can see what's being done. You would then, if you contribute a few dollars to this, you get to see the outcome of where your contribution goes as well. And if you're not in a financial position, to be able to take action on this and and give them anything my request is that you share this opportunity with others or you take the time right now to share a cause that matters to you because you never know who you'll reach and maybe you reach somebody who can provide the the monetary value and resources to this and you end up being the microphone that helps inspire them to do so um and that's my my ultimate hope so right before bringing dave on I think one of the best things we can do is look at the proof of his work and the brand story or message that 
he created for one of his clients. So without further ado, let's dive right into that story. So there's a great quote by John Muir, and it says, I'd rather be in the mountains thinking about God than in church thinking about the mountains. And for me, being outside is the closest I can get to to God, our creator, whomever that may be. I went to college and got out and you know, a year or so afterward, got into the financial planning industry and you know, had the office job. You know, we're not made to be inside all the time. We're not created to push papers or you know get extra zeros in a, in a bank account. We're made to live. And that's what I committed to doing. So I left my career and started my own thing. My motivation was always to travel, get outside, put my feet in the water, get fresh air and sunlight on my skin, and, and experience the joys of being alive. And I'm so excited. It's been a goal of mine for a long time to be able to have that real sense of connection, not only with myself, but with, with everyone around me, those people who I love, as often as possible get out, move, return to nature, get back to the basics, and to do so in as much of a free and joyous way as I possibly can. Dave Robinson, welcome to Vision Pros Live, my friend. Jackson, thank you for having me, man. This is uh, really exciting, and I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you today. Absolutely. What you, what we didn't tell the audience, but what they found evident was you did not bring your razor when you went on that mountaintop. Um, <laughs> Forgot it at home. Forgot it at home. Yeah. <laughs> that that story, um, the way you you share about the brand is awesome, and uh, you know some people who aren't as familiar with the the psychology of advertising. Um, you know, say things like, well, I didn't even catch the product. I don't even know what this is. That's the point. Um, that That's the curiosity and intrigue factor, um, you know, of of being willing to to look it up. But more importantly, if you didn't connect with the message, you're not really going to connect with the product anyway. Um, if you connect with the message, you're going to want to know where it came from um, and the source. And so that that does an excellent job of showcasing a story uh, that that makes a brand uh, feel powerful enough to me to say, wow, there's a lot of shoe brands that I've used. I really shouldn't be considering this one, but all of a sudden I'm looking at the prices, looking at the the shoes and saying, maybe I'll get some of these. Yeah, they're comfortable, uh, man. They're stylish too. So that's the, that's the power of telling a story well is you can you can overcome the fears of stranger danger so fast um then and we can't do that when we're just shoving products and services down people's throats and trying to make it sound like that's our our unique uh or unfair advantage or unique selling proposition anyway i'm done preaching um what is your vision for those that you serve to be find peace again right have peace in in their hearts and in their guts and in their minds and in their souls um so many people are struggling like quite frankly and even very quote unquote successful people struggle and um many of those people are unnecessarily creating conflict internally and externally with what they are perceiving as their reality based on the words that they're using and their patterns of speech and the things that they've experienced in their past, some of which might be hurtful, haunting, or or otherwise. And so we all have an inner bully, we all have an inner critic, and we don't deserve that, to be quite honest with you. You know, we deserve to be in a position of where we love ourselves and we're okay saying that, and where we love other people, we love the life we live. And that's my mission is to impact people in that capacity to help bring love back into their life and to bring peace into their life and allow them to you know, turn their, their self-doubt into self-confidence again. That's amazing. Um, <clears throat> I was, I've always loved the idea of love, done my best to connect with it, but it wasn't until I was like 30 
maybe even 32 before it dawned on me that love is a verb. Hmm. Um, and it's hard in English. There's no conjugation. So it was me playing with Spanish, the Spanish language and realizing amar is a verb. Whoa, wait a second. Okay. This is not just something you feel or you receive. This is something that you do. Um, and, uh, you mentioned peace. You didn't mention it. You set that as the foundation, the pinnacle, man, I, I align completely with that. That's the only emotion that for, from my religious perspectives that I am guaranteed to have hmm. on this earth with God. Um, and it's also therefore means, and I, and I'm guaranteed it if I do the things that I'm supposed to do for my life. And therefore I can rely on peace. I can't rely on fun. The firework shows are few and far between. We can fake fun, but I can't rely on it to stabilize me. Um, so I, I love that you bring that to people. What's your, let, let's, let's dive a little bit deeper into your vision for you. I'm sure peace and love have a lot to do with that. Um, but what's your vision look like? Give us a, give us a tour helicopter tour. I love expressing myself physically. I love nature, you know, as we saw in, in that video. Um, I'm on a, a third of an acre here in, in Richmond, Virginia, about 10, 15 minutes outside of town. And I'd love to, to maybe get 30 acres, maybe 300 acres in the mountains, a couple hours west of Richmond, Virginia, and, and be in a space to uh, be able to work stories and be able to help my friends and clients but grow my own food, um, live in a sustainable manner and help impact people in a way that is profound and enduring. Um, my personal definition of impact is the ripples that we create and send out into our world. And we can do that negatively. We can send out negative ripples. We all, I imagine, want to, or at least those listening to this show, want to send out those positive ripples into our world. And, you know, my my favorite affirmation outside of I love myself is better me, better everyone. And when we each can focus on our own uh, uh, inner journey, that allows us to show up better in our family units and then in our working environments and then in our communities. And that's how we end up changing this thing. It's not voting someone different into office or, you know, uh, um, any myriad other number of, of more popular ways. It's like, now fix your world, fix your internal environment. And ultimately in, in my profession, that's done through altering the words we use and changing the stories we tell ourselves so that we find that peace, that love, that joy. Absolutely. Um, the one thing I haven't shared with everybody, obviously, um, but I'm going to now because I'm actually going to be moving fairly soon um, is where I live. And I also live outside the city um, and I love it. And I, I used to live in the heart for a little while. Um, and it was way too much of the heart. Um, you know, everything could be heard. Um, you know, there was nowhere you could really go um, and have solitude. Um, so I'm, I'm going to share that real quick because, uh, like I said, nothing to lose on this. Um, but to, to your point, um, this is Park at Briggs Ranch. This is where I live. Um, little apartment community outside of San Antonio. You'll see that it's right on a golf course. And it's also right outside of a nature preserve. Um, and so I get to go on these walks around this apartment at night and you can actually see the stars. Um, you know, I get to go out and, you know, you don't know what type of animal you're in. I stepped on a snake one day, scared the heck out of me. Um, I screamed like a girl. Um, <laughs> you know, that was not my favorite experience in the world. I don't blame um, you. I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. They're like, it's just, you know, somebody later is like, it was just a garden snake. Like, no, every snake is a dead snake in my opinion. Like I can't, I can't do it. Um, and the, the rent when you live outside of the city, by the way, um, is far more affordable than when you're competing for uh, housing in the city. So there's there's a lot of advantages as visionaries. Um, we have a, we have if we're going to grow in a way that's supported by our creator, then we have a responsibility to be wise stewards um, over what we do. And so if you think the flashy cars, um, you know, and the cool sunglasses, um, you know, and the um, the showboating of what you maybe don't pretend to have, but what you can't afford, um, you know, <laughs> what, what you're posturing as your sense of authority is what's driving people towards you. One, you're probably driving the wrong types of people towards you or the wrong types of the, the people who have the wrong types of ideas. People aren't bad, 
but our processes sometimes are our, our process for decision making sometimes is uh, then the the there's an amazing shift that occurs um, when you start learning how to be vulnerable as a leader when you start learning how to engage in healthy dialogue and and look at perspectives from new angles um, there's, there's a power of influence that I hope every visionary here that's listening in uh, gets the chance to explore um, for themselves. Um, because my way is not the right way. Dave's way is not the right way. It's just our way. Um, but it is, it's amazing to feel centered um, and, and what you do. And I haven't always had that myself. Um, Dave, what, moving into a dark subject uh, along those lines, what is your worst leadership experience ever? Mm. What a good question. Um, I probably could have left my financial planning career in a better way. Um, I just, I knew I was done and I was done mentally, physically, and emotionally. And I, uh, had, I mean, I, I was little backstory. I was in the career for six and a half years and I never intended to leave. Like I wanted this to be the thing. Like I wanted to, I liked wearing the suit and tie in the beginning. I liked meeting people. I liked networking. I liked feeling like I made an impact. Um, but as it turns out, I, I got bit by a spider. I don't know where I was when I got bit, but I got bit like by literally, a uh, literally, no, no, <laughs> no superpowers, nothing out of that. Right. <laughs> I bit on my, on my elbow and it put me in the hospital for, um, actually I went to the hospital twice. The first time they misdiagnosed me and they sent me home with some like, like, 200 milligrams of Advil and was like, Hey, come back in 48 hours. And I'm like puking that night. I got a fever. Like I, it's my elbows, the size of a softball. And like, you know, so I end up being persuaded by a very smart and caring friend of mine to like, dude, you got, you got to go back. It's like, oh, all right, fine. You know how we are. Uh, all right, I'll go back. I'll go back. And I'm very happy. I did because I was in the hospital for three days, uh, two nights pump full of IVs and, 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 mm -hmm and all kinds of stuff and they uh, I had this moment when I went in Friday early morning uh, I had this moment like Saturday night turned to Sunday morning it's like 1am Sunday morning and I was supposed to get out Sunday afternoon I was going to be released and I had this thought I'm hooked up to all these like you know machines and like I'm literally been in my bed for like two straight days and I'm, I'm not uh, able to do the things that I you know want to do love to do I'm not active I'm not I'm not well, I'm not healthy. And I have this thought, ah, oh, tomorrow's Sunday. That means the next day is Monday. It means I got to work. Maybe I'll just stay here another day. And it was like bzz, lightning bolt to the head download of, dude, like, what are you doing? And, and I spent the entire rest of that night fast forwarding and having that vision cast out and realized that if I continued, I would have a B minus life, B plus at best. And that wasn't what I was aiming for with the one life that we know we, we have here and you know, not knowing how long we're guaranteed to live it. So I made the decision to leave my career and I communicated that as best as I could, but I also left it pretty late and I probably could have done a much better job of making sure that everybody felt comfortable with me stepping away from, you know, being their advisor and being their their leader of their own finances uh, than I actually did. And that's something that you know, I don't have many regrets, especially from from a life standpoint, but from a leadership standpoint, I could have communicated much better and clearer and uh, held a better boundary when it came to actually continuing to help those folks. And that was back in November of 2017. I've, I've grown a lot personally and professionally since then, but um, I, I would I would take a do over with how I stepped away from my last career. Wow. That <clears throat> the lesson that you're teaching right now, this is one of the greatest powers that visionaries overlook and don't think about. And I know this because I'm also guilty of not caring about my exit strategies in the past. Um, and really taking a very long time to figure out what you figured out so quickly, um, like with, with that experience, uh, I think a lot of visionaries grow up uh, being rejected um, in, in different fashions. Not all of them, but I think a lot of us share that in common where if you experienced high amounts of a, uh, you know rejection as a kid or based on the ideas that you had, and I did, I, I had a ton of awful rejections, then you kind of learn the survival instinct 
of being like, screw that. I'll find my own opportunity. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to walk by the beat of my own drum. We make these cool sayings, uh, that, that support us on our, on our desire and willingness to, to move on. And so I became a, I became a ladder jumper, um, you know, and, and realized that, you know what, if I want to climb that, they're like, you know, you got a long way to climb the ladder. No, I'll climb this ladder and I'll get their ladder to recognize how awesome I am. Right. And I'll get their ladder to recognize that that was kind of my beginning plan as a 0.33 GPA, you know, dropout was I got to fight my way to the top. Um, I didn't have to, it was a chosen path, but visionaries, if we don't learn to move towards humility in that process and realize that there are healthy relationships and we can lead by example on the healthy relationships and we can properly prepare exit strategies, uh, we're going to continue to have explosions um, in our life when they are unnecessary. To, to honor your example on that and to honor somebody very important to me, Jaime Jimenez helped me build this podcast. Jaime was working with me um, out of out of Colombia and just an absolute amazing project manager. Uh, he has a potential to someday be COO or CEO. He's just so talented and so gifted, speaks English really well too, uh, really helped the team. And he was with us for eight months full time giving his heart and soul to this, just like all of the rest of my team. And uh, he was recruited back to his old position where he'd worked for seven years. Um, and they offered him a good sum of money more than what I was offering. But he was also going to not have the stress um, that, that he had with trying to help us move our mountains forward. And Jaime could have closed up shop, left, done all the things I've done so many times in my past. Um, and so many so many things that I, some like the same thing I see so many visionaries do, but we handled that. And he almost did. He almost, you know, moved forward a little bit too fast with that without honoring the process. And I explained to him, Hey man, I know you're kind of mentally checking out right now and that's okay. Uh, I said, but there's an opportunity here. If you can help bridge the gap on the, the next process and, you know, keep your conviction and what we're up to, then setting off into the sunset, there will we'll, we'll never have any doubts on our end. If you ever want to come back, we'll never have any challenges of you know of of, of being a reference for you. Um, and he took that to heart. He completed it, and in his eight months' time, uh, he wasn't supposed to make one percent of the company an equity agreement with us unless he completed his year. Heck no, man! I honored that. I said, you helped us create this foundation. You handled this process the right way. Now I wanted to work with us part-time. Um, and I said, no. Um, I said, your wife needs you at home. Um, you know, you need to stay focused on this new opportunity. Get yourself established there. We need to see if we're going to sink or swim without you. Do mm -hmm. I want to see that as well? Um, and so he's he's on call. I could call him up and say, hey, tomorrow, let's get started again. Um, and I'm, I'm probably going to do that in the next week or two. Um, but it's been a good six months and he is one of my best friends. Again, you, you shared the story on it. Um, we as visionaries do not plan our exit strategies hardly at all. It's almost always a bad situation when we're firing an agency or letting go of somebody or somebody's moving on because they're disgruntled or mad. And it's because we don't think through how do we, how do we put the relationship first when we're agreeing as mutual human beings to, to part ways. Any further thoughts on that before we go into best leadership, Dave? One of my, uh, one of the big takeaways I, I got from the story you shared and, and that I've used in the past is, you know, we've all heard the first impression is the best impression. Well, the last impression is the lasting impression. Ooh. And so it doesn't matter what the first impression is. You know, it's like if, if it ends on a sour note, like you could have been great for seven months and 29 days, but that, 30th day of the last month was, was bad. And so that's going to be the lasting impression. Right. And so that's something that I've really taken to heart personally. And that I've tried to impart with, you know, my clients who are going through transitions or whatever is like the last impression is the lasting impression and like, see it through, you know, see it through. Is that your quote or do I need to reference somebody? That's oh, me, I man. I made that yeah, up. Yeah. I was so I, stoked. <laughs> I have to ask cause it's just so darn good. I uh, was like, okay. Yeah, that's, that's brilliant. Um, I will absolutely be quoting you on that often. Um, all right. So moving into the next one, the best leadership experience, what's your best leadership experience ever? Hmm. This can be you, this can be a mentor. It can be any, any, it can be a movie. 
man. Um, I'll tell you a recent example. And uh, so I've spent the last three and a half or so years since I found uh, the modality of story work. I've, I've, um, I spent the last three and a half years on defense largely with my business. You know, I was, I was taking things as they came. Uh, if I got asked to be on a show, I'd get on a show. If I got a referral or a personal introduction, which was fueling my business, then great. Uh, I wasn't intentional with my branding. I wasn't intentional with anything other than my fulfillment. And I had in my mind that, you know, I wanted to create and then step into the identity of being a world-class story work coach. And I wanted to do that first before I focused on anything else. And I realized that over the two and a half, three years that I had become that and I'd stepped into that and that the results spoke for themselves, my testimonials and referrals spoke for themselves. And, but at the same time, I had this realization of like, well, okay, like I'm fulfillment's way up here. And my ability as a coach is way up here and my business, like the actual nuts and bolts of the business outside of like the money I was making, the money was great, but as a business, I was a poor business owner, right? At best, at best. Mm -hmm. uh, and so this past year, 2023, we're recording this very early in 2024, but in 2023, I have made it a huge point to step up and try to bring those things level without dropping my main goal of being the best coach that I can possibly be and being the best to ever do this work. And so stepping my, my business up to meet that identity of ultimately getting to being a world-class business owner as well. Um, that's been my best leadership experience because I've learned so much and I've messed up so much, but I've also, uh, had some really good successes there. And, uh, my most my most best, Jesus, Louise, uh, my, I will call it my favorite success in this is, uh, I hired my fiance who is an incredible Ooh. creative and she's an amazing writer. She's an author. Um, she is, is at her best when she's creating. And, uh, we were recently engaged in, in November in Santorini. Thank you. Thank you. Very excited. Congratulations. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was all going to the same place anyway. So I figure, you know, why not let her step into her creative genius and help me? And it's been a really fun experience. And it's been a really cool experience, not only as a man, but uh, as a, a leader of my business and now our, our family to uh, learn to work together in that capacity and to do so with grace and to do so with love and to do so uh, with again, good communication, because that's the key to absolutely anything. So I'm very proud of how I've shown up there, even though it sure as heck has not been perfect. But I'm I'm proud over the past year, and especially over the past couple months of working with with her. It's one of the hardest. Um, one of the hardest things in life um, is having a, a relationship with anybody, um, spending more, 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 more time was that relationship. You had two different human beings, um, with two different purposes, two different minds, two different opinions. Um, and so the more those get closer and closer together, um, the more potential there is for, for clash, but the more, the more potential there is for a more permanent bond as well. Um, and so I know, I know people freak out about that or think like, Oh my, if you want good relationships, don't talk politics, don't talk religion. Um, you know, and, and don't, talk about what was the other one i forget um but sports or something and i was like well if you want a relationship to survive you know then yes without any depth then that is true um but i i want deep relationships um you know and that's that's what you guys are it's so honorable to me it's that standing outside the fire song garth brooks style talks yeah. about life isn't lived unless you're standing um in the fire um and taking that risk so Kudos to you guys. Um, one of the things that you mentioned in there um, was this defense and this reacting, the, the fulfillment aspect and making that shift. It was the E-Myth by Michael Gerber that opened my eyes to that shift and realizing, holy crap, I've been doing this for a very long time for a lot of different companies and I still suck at it. And he knows why. Like he, he's basically writing a journal about my story. Um, you know, just so empowering. How did you uh, how did you come to realize yourself that 
that you weren't um, you weren't looking at your business as, in the right way. Yeah, great question. I you know, and this is very cliche, but I, I didn't care about the money. Like it was coming in, and I was very happy about it. But that's not like it was never on my equation. Like I, I searched and sought out flexibility, freedom, and impact. And yeah. the flexibility of time is what I was really after. Um, you know, I, I change out the word time with life all the time. You know, I was like, Hey, how are you spending your time? AKA, how are you spending your life? And mm -hmm. a lot of the life or a lot of the time I, you know, at least in my past, wasn't happy with that exchange. And so, um, it wasn't until I realized that I wanted more than my third of an acre, 15 minutes outside of, of Richmond, you know, and it wasn't until I realized that. Hey, I, I do want to start a family someday and millions, if not billions of people have done it in a worse financial situation than me. And it could be a lot better and easier and safer and more productive if I uh, focused more on my income and continued to lean into mm -hmm. that time that I do have. I'm very time rich as well. And, and I like that. I'm very yeah. life rich. And so right. I knew that there were things that I could do differently and better that would make me more efficient and systems that I could lean into. I've got ADHD and I loathe structure and systems, but I also <laughs> understand that if I make the call and if I, if the system works for me and I can implement it the way that feels good for me, then, then that's a system that I can lean into as long as it's not an outward, uh, uh, uh kind of like, uh, if, if the pressure isn't outward, you know, then it's okay. Like if the pressure comes from within, then, then yeah, I, I can handle that. Right. Yeah. ADD and ADHD people, uh, absolutely love systems, even though they don't know it, you know, we don't, we don't like to admit it. You know, it's like, you know, we, there's lots of things we don't like to admit. We don't, we you know we hate change. Um, no, we, we love change. Um, you know, it changes from night to day, every day. Um, and we get excited about one or the other, um, you know, we have a system in our body that helps us breathe and that helps our, our digestive system stay on track and do things like we we very much understand systems more than we give ourselves credit for um but a lot of times the world beats us up about our inability to follow systems that don't make any sense to us yes um so you found some that make sense they're passionate about strengths you know being strength conditioning was a system now you're finding those aspects for your business as well and that's amazing i went through the same phase phase my whole life leading up to uh about three four years ago about uh, three years ago uh, no, it was four years ago. Four years ago, I, I said, um, you know, I don't care about the money again. You know, I was still saying that was my mantra. Um, and then it dawned on me, if I don't care about the money, the money's not going to care about me. Mm -hmm. And as a resource that God gives me, I'm also being irresponsible as a steward. I'm saying, hey, I'm just going to bury these talents under the sand, uh, make sure they're safe. But but I'm going to I'm going to go focus on other things. Uh, the shift that occurs and our opportunities when we begin to welcome money in abundance, not love it, but welcome it and realize this resource matters for moving my objectives forward. Therefore, how can I cultivate a healthy relationship with it? Um, that's, that's a fantastic move for, for entrepreneurs to make. So if this is the last chance you had ever to share a powerful lesson with visionaries, what powerful lesson can other visionaries learn from your experience? breathe and write down the stories that you tell yourself that you feel like are holding you back. So just like you said, with the system, the system of our breath, like our breath drives our physiology and I could breathe like this, <laughs> right? Like I'm exercising or having a panic attack and I'm going to be in an upregulated sympathetic nervous system, fight, flight, or freeze response state. Conversely, I can breathe like this. <sighs> where we always have time to take that breath. We always have the power to take that breath and to choose our response to the situation. And that's going to pull us down into that parasympathetic rest and relax or feed and breed nervous system state. And it's in that state that we can process our emotions. It's in that state that our bodies store memories properly. It's in that state that we heal ourselves, heal ourself, right? And we're able to, uh, if we breathe and then take the stories and the, and the, thoughts and the words and the things from our heads that are bothering us or holding us back or keeping us down or creating conflict 
and we put that onto a page, we put that onto a computer screen. What we're doing is we're taking ourselves out of the story. So we're going from being in the story to now we're observing the story and creating space and distance. And that allows us to see things from an entirely different perspective. Oftentimes that combination of simply writing the event or the thoughts down, whether that happened when you were seven, 17, 37, seven minutes ago, it doesn't matter, right? Like putting that onto the page or onto the paper, creating that distance and breathing that can create the space in order to see it differently. And when we can see it differently, we can make different decisions. We can respond in a different manner. And thus we are have now become the architect of our reality as opposed to just, you know, flowing through it and having it happen to us. I cannot convey enough the divine power of the timing of your show for me. Mm. And you being tell me more. Tell me more. Yeah. Um, yesterday hosted Marina Stamos from the one minute talk and earth shatteringly good um, in terms of helping people understand how to frame. Now you come on um, with a very, very similar understanding of the, the power of story, but completely different uh, lessons about how to go about it and talking in depth about um, these components that again, when we, when we combine more of the correct formulas, the virtues for virtuous formulas of life together, we continue to strengthen the powers. And this is something that we are benefiting from tremendously right now and where we're at with the optimization of first-class business and vision pros live and open eyes at the right hope Latinos and passion pro, like all this stuff comes together and it's sometimes hard to correlate, um, how everything is working together and I was with a mentor a few days ago. Um, it's been almost a month now since Monty was here. Um, and we talked for the whole day, 2 to 9 p.m. Um, he's got to go. He's got to run. You know, So we go outside and I'm in shorts and a t-shirt and it's freezing to me. I'm Texan through and through San Antonio. I love the heat. Don't put me in the cold, please. Um, like, I don't like cold weather at all. No cold showers. Not my thing. Um, tried it. Don't like it. Um, I'll work on it. <laughs> Breathe, right? So I'm out there with Monty and he's supposed to be leaving, but I know we're just going to keep jabbing. He, he keeps going. I'm loving it. And I, but I, I don't want him to know that I'm uncomfortable, but I, you know, I'm like, like shaking, you know, like I'm, I'm about, but I start remembering that Jeffrey Sarah on the show challenged my, my, uh, disdain for cold, cold showers. And I'm, so I'm thinking about that. And then I'm thinking about, I'm listening to him about what he's saying, but I'm also training myself to breathe through this. And I notice even with the first breath, when my breaths are long and slow, I can't feel the cold on the on the inward breath. Hmm. On the outward breath, I'm still feeling a little bit, and I'm like, dang, now I'm not listening to him as well as I should be. Um, you know, but I'm practicing a new skill. And we talked for like 20 minutes out there. Uh, and I was my body wanted to scream, you're dying, you know, like this is awful, you know. But my because I maintained the breath the way that I did, and centered around that one simple reality i wasn't shaking he couldn't notice that i was hating the experience physically but i was engaged in the super deep important conversation about our philosophies on life that was very profound and i wasn't going to miss and i wasn't going to interrupt and i wasn't going to give a sign that like i need to go inside um it was very important to be in that moment um so you reiterating that allows me to just again, double down on something that I, I did again yesterday, but related to playing the trumpet, which I don't play very often anymore. But there was an instance where my band director caught the fact that I could not as the leader of the band, we got second in state, I could not play this part for the life of me because of how fast your tongue has to move. And so every like, I don't know, maybe once a month, the song comes, I really play that song. I've been playing it for 20 plus years. Um, and last night, as I was attempting that that part, not with the trumpet, but with, you know, with the, what you do with your mouth, your aperture, um, I started breathing like that. Hmm. And I did it for the first time ever. So silly. So I, not something I would normally talk about, but to solidify the reality that, man, I'm a firm believer in what you just said about using the breathing technique and 
also writing down those stories that help that hold you back. Marina got me writing those yesterday too. I started practicing them last night. And uh, just how weird is that? You know, like back to back episodes. You can say weird. You can't call it miraculous. You can use whatever word choice you want. My my word for it: divine, miraculous. Thank you, Dave, for facilitating that. You're welcome. Can I point out uh, something about the word weird for you? Yeah. It comes from Old Middle English, and it means to control one's fate or to control one's destiny. That's the etymology of the word weird. And, and Is that I a think, good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a great thing to control <laughs> one, one's fate and to control one's destiny. I also, you know, if you look around at the state of the world, I certainly don't think it's a good thing to be normal quote unquote. I don't no. want to be normal. I like me. I like the weird aspect. The, yeah. I also believe in letting go, right? But there's, there's the balance. There's a the harmony, right? And, uh, being able to set healthy boundaries and love people unconditionally, right? They, they go hand in hand, even though we want to convince ourselves they're polar opposites. Um, but so I, I get it. I, I'm, I'm picking it up now. Okay. So the controlling of one's fate weird. I've always told, you know, like, I'm like, I, I'm, I, I love being weird. Oh, I mean, I got, I want to embrace that. It's my, my uniqueness. Right. Um, so I tell my kids we're crazy. Like, you know, if people say they were crazy, like, cool. Thank you. Oh, I mean, like, it's <laughs> great. Thanks. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally happy with that. Um, so I don't really have semantics issues unless the semantics are related to limiting beliefs, hmm. um, you know, or toxicity. Um, and if those two things happen back to your, your theory of, oh, word of, of word choice, you know, mattering, I, I believe in that too. If you didn't catch it, guys, you can go back to where I asked about the powerful lesson. Dave dove right into the healing power of story work as he talked exactly about that. I mean, that's in essence a large part of the healing power is following that step of breathing and writing down the stories that are holding you back and processing. It was, it was beautifully articulated. Um, before we wrap up, Dave, is there, is there anything else that you are dying to share, would love to share with the audience that's on your mind? Yeah, I'd just love to continue to reiterate that, again, the stories we tell ourselves are dictating our reality in a very real and a very visceral manner. Um, you know, we've all talked ourselves into bad moods. We've probably also mm -hmm. talked ourselves into good moods. And we sure as heck use different words to do that. You know, and, and so we're going to tend to see in our reality and see in our world what we're looking at. And I know that might sound... Uh, uh, like a duh thing, right? But if we see the negative, it's because we're looking at the negative. If we see the positive, it's because we're looking at the positive. And there's such great power and opportunity to create that joy and that love in our own life and for those that we uh, love being around. If we are looking at the good, and that goes especially for our own stories. You know, everybody's had hurtful experience in the past. Everyone. Uh, uh, has felt stuck or, uh, you know, at certain points in their lives, everyone's vision for the future can sometimes get cloudy or be a little bit opaque. Right. And so what we do when we work a story is we take that story, we put it down onto the screen or the page. We, we have written it out. We slow down, uh, uh how we read that story. We read it out loud. We add that breath in. And each time we're getting a sinking a layer deeper into that ah, parasympathetic state again. And again, when we're there, we can make decisions, we can heal, we can process, we can move on from the hurtful and the haunting experiences from the past. We can start to get our wheels turning again when it comes to the stuckness of the present. And we can start to clean the windshield a little bit of our vision for the future. And it's, it's the through line between all personal development work that I've ever experienced in my life. It's, it's so powerful. Absolutely. Uh, the brands that I see really crushing it have, um, leaders. If you look at the top leaders, the ones, the ones who have a, a good hearted feeling of influence, they're very particular with their word choices. Um, you know, they're not, they're not lackadaisical with what they say. They're very intentional with how they communicate with people. And that's what helps their audience know that they belong with where they're at. Two, two things I would add to what you've shared um, that my hope is inspires the visionaries out there. And it's also an invitation to you, Dave, to consider. Um, and that's you shared two very, very powerful truths. And you also utilized the word for those who love to polarize content. And you said, I know that sounds cliche on one occasion. Mm -hmm. And you said, 
and that may sound like a duh moment, um, almost pulling away the power mm. of, of what you shared. And there's this concept that I learned thanks to a, a Harvard study called the curse of knowledge. And the curse of knowledge is when we have learned something, we tend to take it for granted and assume that it's universal law, law knowledge and we call it common sense. Um, and at the same time, if I give a caveman a water bottle, a modern water bottle, um, he might take a sharp object like a pen and stab it to, to get it open. Um, whereas you and I have been taught from a young age to twist the top off. Um, and so we sometimes, um, we, we, and, and this is why it's so important for visionaries too, though. If you were the one who felt, oh, well, that's cliche or duh, like I already knew that. And you're a leader, you're a visionary. Who on your team doesn't know that yet? Who on your team hasn't heard that? And if we come at people with that, uh, I guess, entitlement of knowledge, um, you know, or, or that correlation with like, oh, well, everybody's already heard this, then what it does to the people in the room who haven't heard it is it can have an adverse effect on their ability to to listen and they they may even shy away and leave because they they worry that oh well i'm, I'm not good enough to be in this environment because i didn't know that so um thank you for for hearing me out thank you for giving the opportunity for all of us to learn that because it's vision and and i do this every day to somebody um you know we we all do and the more we sharpen our our abilities to um articulate what we want to accomplish with others for the intent of doing good, the more, the more powerful success we'll have with, with them on whatever it is that we're up to. Yeah. Th thank you for sharing that. That's uh, I'm going to take that to heart. Uh, I tend to um, be very coachable, which is a good thing. And I think that's something that is, is uh, I love and the clients that I work with, the best clients are coachable and they take a lesson. They go, Oh, ding, ding, ding. I'm going to use that. So that is, is well received. And I appreciate you sharing that. Awesome, man. For those of you who are listening in, um, the landing page will have Dave's resources for his work, um, his story work. And if you're in the position to where you haven't focused on your brand story or you don't have your brand story articulated in a way that is driving people to organically share what it is you do. I'm not talking about referrals and we'll pay $50 for you to refer. That's not organic. I'm talking about reaching what's called the third moment of truth, that experience where somebody takes a bite of the cereal and they love it so much. They go, honey, come try this. Um, right. That's organic. That's what people, that's where people are falling in love with the experience. And Dave has a superpower to unlock that for brands. So definitely reach out to him and find out how you can add that superpower to your arsenal. Because if we fail to clarify our vision for those that we are serving, we will, we will fail to inspire them to take part in that vision. And that is really the centerpiece and foundation of why we've created this podcast is to help visionaries clarify just that. Dave, thank you for being a shining example of that. And Vision Pros, everybody have an excellent weekend. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. And thank you for giving us your time and attention. Have an excellent time.